Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. In 2013, the Pew Research Center survey of North American Jews indicated that there were almost 7 million Jews in North America. Growing population of that 7 million are unlikely to raise their children Jewish or to connect with Jewish institutions. The proportion of Jews who say they have no religion or are Jewish only on the basis of ancestry, ethnicity, or culture is rapidly growing, and two-thirds of them are not raising their children Jewish at all. With me this morning are two guests who will be talking about their programs as uh, an attempt to respond to the information uh, provided by the Pew Report. My first guest this morning is Rabbi Deborah Zucker of Kehilat Beth Israel of Ottawa. Rabbi Zucker is um, Ritual Education and Outreach Director of this conservative synagogue. And so, uh, Rabbi Zucker, I want to welcome you to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. Thank you. Nice to be here. Well, it's lovely to have you with Um, us this morning. Um, As you heard in my introduction, I quoted the Pew Report of 2013, which uh, suggested that far fewer uh, members of the North American Jewish community are um, connected to their religion, and less than one-third belong to synagogues. Um, And so I'm wondering, in your position as um, outreach director, um, what is the population that the synagogue has asked you to direct your efforts to? Um, That's a great question. So I work with a number of populations, but my primary area of focus is families with young children, which is uh, folks whose kids are six and under. Um, And in that age group, it's really the parents who... Uh, who you're courting and who you're trying to get engaged in the synagogue. And do you find that the traditional methods of um, affiliation that might have um, been norms in previous generations are not uh, normative for the generation that you're working with? Definitely. Things have changed a lot uh, for, for my generation. Uh, for some people, this is because they have had, you know, they have memories of negative experiences from their own young life in, in Hebrew school. Um, uh, but mostly I think that there's just a, uh, a sense that this cohort are not joiners, quote-unquote. They're less comfortable with religious institutions, um, I've heard it described uh, that in, in previous generations, uh, Judaism was the mother tongue and the secular culture was sort of a foreign language that one was sort of introduced to, whereas with this generation, uh, it, they're much more comfortable uh, in secular culture, and Judaism is a little foreign. Uh, Jewish institutions are a little foreign, so there's a little more hesitancy to, uh, uh, to engage, uh, a little more sensitivity, a little more discomfort. Um, I found that on the one hand, this group feels 
less entitled to take part in synagogue life. They worry that their kids aren't behaving properly. They worry they'll do something wrong. They don't feel at home. Um, and then on the flip side of that, because of some of the efforts over, over the past few decades, there's, uh, in another way, a sense of more entitlement that they, they've come through universities where Chabad and Hillel on campus provide all kinds of free programs, and they went on a free trip to Israel. Um, now you even have some programs at universities that pay students to learn Torah with a rabbi. So they're less entitled to take over the institution because uh, they feel less comfortable and also more entitled and don't feel that they should be paying for anything uh, that, that they have in the Jewish community. So that's a real challenge to um, synagogue life, which has um, traditionally seen uh, membership or the notion of membership as its lifeblood. Mm -hmm. And um, in North American synagogues, uh, including Ottawa, uh, membership had some sort of financial commitment associated with it. And what you're suggesting is that um, the cohort that you're working with, parents of children under school age, um, have been exposed to a um, affiliation to Judaism that did not require any kind of um, financial commitment or right. a minimal one mm -hmm. at that. Um, and are you finding that your approaches to them are meeting with success? They are. It's a, it's a long game. You know, the, the, these folks are not going to turn on a dime and decide to uh, hand over uh, a big uh, chunk of their disposable income to a synagogue. You really have to build a relationship, um, which happens through, uh, through, it's not obvious to them that they would walk into a synagogue. So you really have to engage through social networks, through getting, you know, friends to bring their friends. Um, meeting them where they are, which is often, you know, in programs that are not uh, traditionally religious, you know, doing things that are uh, a little more um, user-friendly, yoga classes, concerts, craft programs, things that, that they're going to be more comfortable in. And things uh, that they don't necessarily associate with the synagogue. Right, and things that don't require as much knowledge or Jewish literacy like a prayer service would. Um, and in a way, you know, we, the, the level of Judaism that we transmit to their toddlers or to their young children uh, is almost a reintroduction for many of these folks as well. Um, as much as we can, we try to bring things outside of the walls of the synagogue because that is sometimes seen as a real barrier to entry. Um, and as well, especially in the conservative movement, uh, we have a pretty bad reputation, um, undeserved, I would say, um, with regards to inclusiveness of interfaith families and inclusiveness of the LGBT community. So we have uh, a lot of makeup to do uh, and have to be very uh, deliberate and explicit in our welcoming of those of those communities. Of those as well. folks, yes. I just want to remind my listeners that conservative movement, as we've spoken about on this show on other occasions, is um, um, the middle movement of the North American uh, Jewish movements, where reform um, is um, the most liberal and the least um, committed to following a halachic path, and orthodoxy is the path of uh, most commitment 
to halakha. Um, the conservative movement has tried to respond to changing norms in many different ways and still uh, call itself a halachic movement. And one of the places that they have, as Rabbi Zucker suggested, been um, late to the party is the inclusion of women and um, alternative lifestyles. Um, in the United States, more and more that has become the norm, but here in Canada, we are a bit more traditional in our expression of um, Jewish life. Um, in that um, perspective, um, I'm wondering, do the, what I'll call the old timers, the traditional uh, members of the synagogue, um, look askance at what you're doing and uh, ask, why can't they just be the way we were? Definitely. Definitely. Um, and uh, so there's, there's sort of re, retraining to do both with these young families and to, to have them feel uh, at home and entitled to be in the synagogue and responsible for the, you know, the health and survival of the synagogue for their children um, and for themselves. Um, and also, you know, for these, these, these sort of more established families to recognize that their needs as adults or older adults are not the same as the needs of young children and that everyone has a place in the synagogue and trying to mediate between those two areas of need so that everyone can can find what they need here in one way or another and learn to live together in peace. Uh, It sounds as if there's a real challenge to the whole um, enterprise of the synagogue, which at one time was um, a house of worship and your cohort seems to have ambivalence about worship and a house of meeting, and your cohort has an ambivalence about being part of an institution with all that that implies with regard to governance. Um, But the one part of the traditional synagogue, the house of learning, may offer um, an entrance point to the cohort that you're working with. I think so, and I think it's not necessarily an ambivalence to institution and governance. It's just that, and I think this has always been true, every generation wants to build their own institutions. They aren't necessarily interested in inheriting what their parents have built uh, because it doesn't feel like it's theirs. And so there needs to be that level of um, autonomy and independence. Um, even if what they build ends up being the same thing as, as previous generations had, it, it will be theirs. It will be their project. It will be their endeavor. Um, and that's really my goal, is to have these families kind of do a, a takeover, hostile or not, of the <laughs> synagogue, um, and to make it theirs, and to say, no, we're here. This is our place. It's going to behave in the ways that meet our needs, and we're entitled to it, and we're responsible for it. So, so perhaps um, you could give our listeners um, a taste of the um, kinds of programs that you would be offering um, to a wider uh, network of um, um, individuals who are, you know, in their um, late twenties, early thirties, and have children. Mm-hmm. So they're mostly early thirties in this okay. day and age. Right. Uh, even late thirties and early forties. Uh, one of our sort of marquee programs. That so, has- so that would sound as if the um, connection that they have with each other is not age, but their stage of life. Exactly, which is a, which is a challenge, and you know, for some of the the 
projects of the board and you know setting dues levels and you know right. you do it by age or by life stage it is it does it does um make make some challenges um but definitely the the common factor is you know we have children in the same age range and are looking for things for our family uh with this age children um so as i was saying one of our marquee programs is uh we call it Teddy Bear Shabbat and it's a Friday night program um and one of the reasons that it works so well is because we, you know, I have young children. I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old, and I know how hard it is to uh, keep their attention, to get a family organized and out for an event. And so we make it as easy as possible. And they come, they get fed um, right away, and then we have a very uh, tight and uh, child-friendly sort of Shabbat service program, and they're out within an hour and a half. So we we are able to see the needs of this of this community um, and to and to provide programming that that speaks to them and that is approachable and comfortable for them. And it sounds like um, rather than the traditional notion of services and um, Jewish experience running as long as it runs, you've adopted a more modern approach to have a particular time frame. So everybody knows when it begins and everybody knows when it ends and that they can um, put this into their personal planner the way they do everything else in life. Right, and it's, and it's age appropriate. You know, right. we're not going to expect someone with a two-year-old to stay here until 8 p.m. That's past bedtime. That's just not, not feasible. So really keep keeping in mind, you know, the demands of, of this age group. It's they're they're a tough crowd, um, but we're we're really making inroads. That's spectacular to hear. I want to ask you one more question in the time that's available, and that is um, in the Pew report, the, they reported that there was um, a more elastic response of that generation um, to Israel. Have you found that um, to be prevalent among the in population that you're working with? So interestingly, I think because we're trying to, you know, appeal to broad groups and we're mostly working sort of in the demographic of young children, we don't venture into that territory all that often. Um, our, our programs are much more focused on Judaism in the family um, and, and sort of home practice and family experiences rather than uh, Judaism and, and Jewishness in a political framework that would uh, venture into uh, Israel and, and areas like that. So we sort of steer clear of that because it doesn't really match the interests of this group. That's terrific. My guest this morning has been Rabbi Deborah Zucker of Kehilat Beth Israel, the Ritual Education and Outreach Director of the largest synagogue in Ottawa. I want to thank her for taking the time to chat with us this morning about a very important topic of reaching out to those who uh, are um, less connected to the mainstream of the Jewish community or less connected to the Jewish community of their parents and grandparents. Uh, Rabbi Zucker, I want to say on behalf of Jewish Faith and uh, Jewish Facts and all our listeners, thank you for sharing with us this morning. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Our second guest this morning is Ariel Thainer, Director of Emerging Generation for the Ottawa Jewish Federation. 
Um, as many of you, the listeners, know, the Ottawa Jewish Federation is the coordinating body for the Jewish community. It raises funds f- to support Jewish institutions in the city of Ottawa, such as the Hillel Home for the Aged, Jewish education in day schools and supplementary schools. It provides uh, funds for the program to the uh, emotionally disadvantaged and the physically disadvantaged through Tamir. Um, It also helps support the Jewish, uh, the Soloway Jewish Community Center. Ariel, welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. So let's begin for our listeners. If you would describe who are the emerging generation that you are uh, programming for? So uh, our programming is directed to young professionals, so twenty people aged 20 to 45, uh, and that includes young families because we make the assumption that the young parents are within that 20 to 45-year-old demographic. Okay. And what um, prompted the Jewish Federation of Ottawa to establish a uh, program for that cohort? Um, so... From my understanding is that um, they, the Jewish Federation saw that this was an underserved population and an underengaged population. And while they understood that um, this was, you know, among uh, one of the most important like generations to engage, um, they weren't doing it very well, and they really needed um, a focused professional to work directly uh, and only with this demographic. So I guess when you say that this was an underengaged population and an underserved, um, you're reflecting um, a reality that that generation doesn't seem to easily connect with the uh, normative Jewish institutions of the city, or perhaps in any city, synagogues, um, um, organizations that serve the Jewish community, such as those that I mentioned earlier, um, and that, um, as reflected in the 2013 Pew Report, um, that generation um, is not belonging and uh, affiliating with the normative institutions. Um, yeah, I, I, I would totally agree. I guess the way, it's hard to change, right? So um, the way that synagogues and Jewish community centers and the schools um, were engaging previous generations were not how this generation um, wanted to be engaged or saw being engaged in, in a useful manner. Um, you know, people in this demographic don't show up just for the sake of showing up anymore. They want um, a reason to show up, um, and they don't feel an obligation to, you know, be a member of a synagogue or the JCC or to send their kids to Jewish day school the way that our parents saw that. And, um, you know, they really need to feel compelled um, to show up, and they need to feel um, that there's something in it for them. And, you know, we're, we're really busy. We work a lot of hours. Uh, parents with young children have a lot of, you know, shuttling around from activity to activity. So they really need to find activities worthwhile and to see what, uh, what the benefit is for them in, in, you know, attending these events and showing up to these institutions. Uh, and they weren't really seeing that with the way things were being done before. That's a great question. I'm sure it reflects this sense of um, 
the lack of obligation, which, as you suggested, uh, motivated um, previous generations. Jews felt um, endangered by the outside com- community, and therefore coming together was a coping mechanism and a survival technique. Um, the generation you're working with um, in the main doesn't feel threatened by the outside community. Even episodes of anti-Semitism seem as if they're one-off, not a, um, a policy of the government or an inherent uh, danger for living in Canada. Um, and you've also identified, as so many other sociologists have, that this is a generation that is a little bit um, more focused on what's in it for me as opposed to others. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so perhaps for our listeners, you could give them some examples of the kind of programs you're uh, responsible for and chat with us a bit about how people have responded to those kinds of programs. Absolutely. So, you know, for, for me, the biggest goal that I see is engagement and getting people to start showing up events. So there's two... So two engagement, just just so I can clarify, engagement means doesn't mean having to join something. No. It just means um, participating. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have a couple of types of events. We have, you know, our larger scale um, parties, some with a theme, without a theme, some for Jewish holidays, some for just the sake of getting together. Um, and then we also do um, smaller sort of networking kind of happy hours where um, in, you know, for our large events, we hope to get, you know, 100 plus people out. But these smaller events, you know, 15 to 20 is considered a success and people get to meet each other and connect with each other on a smaller, sort of less threatening, less loud scale. So we we try and engage people as like a a larger community, but also as a smaller community, so they feel that they're getting, you know, the the one-on-one connections um, that that they're looking for. And you know, for our for our young families, we do lots of holiday events. Um, we also do some secular events. Our our most popular event is PJ Library in the park, where we set up at Center Point Park, and there's a splash pad and um, a, a park and lots of uh, outdoor toys, and we do a big barbecue and hire some sort of entertainment and people are just, you know, looking to connect with other young families who are, you know, interested in being Jewish, whatever that, whatever that means to them. Um, and our, some of our most successful programs for the young family demographic is these parent only events um, where we get all the young parents together. We've done um, a cooking, a cooking class. We've done uh, a night at Escape Manor. We're doing um, a Ted talk style event for our, our next event so that the parents get to engage with each other without the distraction of chasing after their children. And they get to, you know, build relationships um, at the parent level. And we've seen that to be super successful families that didn't know each other before are now you know, taking, taking vacations together. So we really try and vary the types of things that we do, um, you know, from large scale to family to, you know, parent only or small networking events. And different people show up to different uh, kinds of events depending on what their needs are and how they want to connect. And by offering all of these different kinds of opportunities, we can really maximize our engagement. 
and it sounds like a wonderful breadth of programming. What's the ultimate goal? Is it to have them um, contribute to the Jewish Federation of Ottawa? Is it to have them join synagogues? Is it to have them um, become participants in uh, committees? Or is it simply uh, the broader kind of um, word that you used, engagement, connection? I would say that those are all, you know, parts of our goal. Contribution to Federation is is a long-term goal that we expect will come after all sorts of interactions and engagements and involvement. But primarily, we want, you know, more young Jewish people to come do Jewish stuff, right? Whether that's um, coming to an event, um, attending, you know, a lecture, being part of Mitzvah Day, volunteering on a committee, chairing an event. Um, we, just, we just want people to feel engaged and be involved in, you know, the manner that's most comfortable for them. Well, that is terrific. Um, I'm going to ask you a question, which may be the last question we can have that we have time for, and that is: Are most of the people who you are interacting with um, married to non-Jews? Uh, I wouldn't say that most. There is, uh, there are a number of intermarried um, couples with, or families um, that come to our events. I wouldn't say that it's the majority, though. Okay. Um, and the reason I ask, of course, is that um, uh, statistics indicate that uh, the majority of young Jews are marrying people not of the Jewish tradition. I'm leaving aside those who may eventually convert to Judaism with one of the mainstream denominations. And when you encounter couples who are intermarried, is there a um, specific approach that you um, take to make the non-Jewish partner feel welcome, or do you just allow the gestalt of the event to serve as the welcoming? Uh, I would say that we we try and, um, you know, allow the event in the welcoming atmosphere and the different kinds of opportunities at each event to sort of speak for themselves. Um, I don't I don't think we pay special attention to intermarried couples and welcoming um, the non-Jewish member of that couple, but we try and uh, just make our community look as warm and as welcoming and appealing as possible so that everyone, Jewish or not Jewish, feels a part of. And in um, offering an open and welcoming environment, have you felt much pushback from the more traditional members of the Jewish community? Um, not, not that I've been aware of. You know, people have different people have different feelings about things, and we just really try to foster a warm and welcoming Jewish environment. And you know, people have problems with you know intermarried. Uh, families being at the events, they don't say anything or they, don't, they choose not to come. But really, uh, we, we live in a really warm and, and welcoming community. And people are just happy when, you know, people want to be in a Jewish environment and raise their families Jewish. And uh, I think that that effort speaks for itself. And, um, you know, the people who, who, who do not love that um, sort of either... Keep their keep their opinions to themselves, or um, can hopefully see see the benefit of what we're doing. 
Well, that's outstanding. Um, Ariel, I want to thank you for taking this time to chat with me this morning. My, my guest, thank you so much. My second guest this morning has been Ariel Fainer, Director of Emerging Generation for the Ottawa Jewish Federation. This morning, you've heard two different individuals uh, sharing with you their approaches to reaching out to um, those individuals in the Jewish community between the early 30s um, and the mid 40s, people with children who have not found um, it easy um, to um, engage and affiliate with the Jewish community. Um, Each Jewish community, whether in Ottawa or Montreal or Toronto, is uh, struggling, as many uh, churches are struggling, to connect with this generation. I hope you found this show this morning interesting. For Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts, this is Rabbi Stephen Garten wishing you a good day and shalom. (laughs) 